the global co-working and conference community, we've had our fingers on the pulse of co-working since 2012, and we've connected thousands of operators, both in person and online. On the Juicy Podcast, we talk with the people making it happen day in and day out. Let's get to it. Hey, everybody. My name is Liz Elam. And as you know, I am the founder of Juicy. And I am very excited today to have Zachary Smith, who's the founder of, is it Zabin? Zabin? How do you say it? It's Zabin. And I don't even know if I'm saying it correctly, because we've (laughs) taken the word uh, from a German word, Zabern. And we didn't want to be green, fill in the blank. So we're like, let's let's zag from everything out there and hopefully spark that question of Zobbin, Zobbin, what's it mean? But um, it's also one of those funny things, too, of we picked it and like, we'll figure out down the line what we want to name ourselves. It's stuck. Uh, it's stuck. It's it's here, people. I'm sorry, but it is Zobbin. Okay, good to know. Zobbin. Okay, so before we get started, because we'll launch into what Zobbin is, very first and foremost, I always ask this question first. I want to know how you are. I don't want to know how your business is. How are you? I'm doing good. I, I know, but before we met the podcast, like my best thing is at 9 a.m. And mine probably is close to like 10, 30, 11. And that's mostly because of my caffeine intake has been hitting its mark. So I got up a little early today. I got the, the endorphins flowing. I got the caffeine in. I'm doing, I'm doing pretty well. Good, good. I'm glad to hear that. So tell us about Zobin. What is Zobin? Zabin, whatever. Uh, Zabin is, uh, so we're a living architecture company mm. in walls, living walls, vertical gardens. It's interchangeable. It's, I would say it's really an infancy as part of, uh, uh, the market. But what we do is we really have a forward thinking approach into how humans are spending our time indoors, particularly at work and kind of lead into it a little bit. We all know the statistic we're spending 90% of our time indoors. But maybe a little less known fact is 90,000 hours over a lifetime at work. And our whole inception was, that's kind of sad. And how we're spending our time is mostly at work. But the things that make us better workers more productive is usually when we're away from the office, right? We're not actually in our little boxes. We're hiking. We're going on walks. We're being more active. And for me, just to kind of quick talk about how we started the, the, the business was I started my career as an investment banking. And so I was very much in kind of a cold cubicle crunching numbers and heard of nature bathing, which is something that's pretty common in Japan. And, and now it's really taken off even here in the US of us just spending 20 minutes in nature. So the the thought was, oh, living architecture would be really interesting of connecting nature in our workspaces. And so Zabin is uh, we're a product company that does living walls. And so what we do is we create uh, immersive experiences and co-working companies and Fortune 500 companies and very cool cities of the future, at least concepts, um, but we have some projects underway here. So it's a holistic company that does living walls and connects our workspaces to environments that we uh, we're better versions of ourselves at. I love it. I love it. And if anybody listens to my podcast regularly, they know I'm a huge advocate for health and wellness and that you have to have plants in your workspace and in your home. But anytime anybody mentions a living wall, then the the potential person who might need to maintain that wall freaks out because they're like, oh no, now I've got to figure out how to water this thing. And what if something dies? And like, how do you guys handle that aspect of the wall? Well, that's a great question. And I, I, whenever I mentioned this industry is 
in its infancy. It's been a lot of mom and pa shops, right? So when you think of living wall, you might think of plants and a felt-based system, soil, dirt, right? Moss. Uh, plant moss. And, and then just a, a maintenance, a high level of maintenance behind it. Mm-hmm. So what we had to do is we really took one, just eco-friendly design. I think technology of being a really big part of what we're doing, but the system itself is hydroponic. So there's no dirt, there's no bugs, the growth mediums antimicrobial. So it's not decaying over mm. time. You're not getting molds, fungus. And the, the technology we're using, it's pretty common in the uh, agriculture industry. So it's very, uh, when you think of water efficiency, it's 10 to 15 times more water absorbent than soil-based systems. But then we also have sensors in it. And uh, this this is uh, where it really comes to play for plant survivability, plant growth. And really over time, a plant can live years in this system. But the sensors are detecting a few things, uh, temperature levels, humidity levels, and moisture levels. And what we're developing is machine learning in these systems mm. uh, for understanding, basically controlling these environments because each environment is so different than the next, but giving plants the perfect amount of moisture, water for them to really thrive. And so we have 99% plant survivability month over month, self-automate. So irrigation self-automating uh, once in the morning, once in the evening. And probably most importantly is plant lighting, beautiful plant lighting that plants need to have mm-hmm. great adequate lighting. There's, and it also goes with human wellness, circadian mm-hmm. level of understanding how we're activating plants in our spaces. So that also comes automated with just Earth's natural uh, light cycle for plants, but also for people. Okay, so lighting is included in the plant wall. It has to. It, it, just, mm. it just has to because there's some environments that have better lighting than than others. Mm-hmm. But uh, even if you have great sun exposure to have typically in maybe winter months, it, it just, it's going to, it's going to lead to that, that plant survivability of again, almost a hundred percent month over month, which we also guarantee to as, as part of uh, our, our service, which is uh, this subscription, if you will, plant care subscription, and just having the system automated. Maybe it's similar to what you would think for a Fitbit a health technology. We do mm-hmm. that for for our, our, our products. I love it. I love it. So then the next thing everybody says is, oh, I can't afford that. So how yes, do you people can. afford it? We know your furniture budget, co-working companies. Um, <laughs> no, you you can. There's 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 a few. Uh, when you think of of buy affiliate in the office, I mean it ranges, but I would say let's just use you know five to seven thousand. Maybe it's on the higher end there, and that's just with potted plants in the office. Mm-hmm. One thing we do differently than other living wall companies is we do financing options that include the maintenance, so it includes our team coming in and servicing it. That starts off at twenty six, uh, excuse me, two hundred and sixty dollars per month, or the Unit, plants, lighting, sensors, all included is 7500 But we mm-hmm. usually work with our partners understanding what's their budget, how does this fit within their space. Mm-hmm. One thing we don't want to become is just a design product. And what I mean by that is a feature wall where we get really excited and where we've seen success is when our partners are using to activate their spaces. So maybe it's a conference room, maybe it's creating a dynamic lobby area. But uh, it's, it's again, when we go going back to kind of the beginning there, when we're working, it's we want to have it in places where people are actually spending most of their time, not getting away from their work area to a wellness room, which is great. Maybe you're spending 15, 20 minutes there, but where you're actually doing your work, that's where we want to have this product as part of that working experience. Very important. And when we do that, we're seeing stress levels decrease by as much as 30%. Productivity uh, levels increase as much as 12 to 15%. But also in noisy areas where we're working, we're having conversations, where we're going into the Zoom meetings, acoustic performance. Uh, so decibels uh, decrease by 15%. 
or excuse me, 15 decibel points, much, much, much different than 15%, which is the mm-hmm. difference between a, uh, a lawnmower and a vacuum cleaner. Um, and obviously there's a lot of complexities around acoustics. Uh, mm-hmm. Is there carpet? Is there not? How tile is ceiling? How big of the room is? But uh, we've done some of these uh, studies with steel case. And kind of a rule of thumb, at least initially, is if 25% of the wall coverings have our products in it, we're going to see a pretty significant acoustic performance boost uh, in that well, space. And they're cleaning your air. You, It is. There's, I mean, so I'll, I'll be honest, there is a little controversy around air quality. Uh, well, I mean, reason being is, you know, Liz, the one interesting with our industry, and again, while we're, we're excited to be working with partners, is everyone's been looking at the lens of this is cool, beautiful, it performs. But again, where we get really excited is around the tangible benefits of what Biophilly does for our emotional state, for our physical mm-hmm. state, for our wellness. And a big part of it everyone points to is, you know, 85% of indoor air quality is improved by. And a lot of that's been pointed by NASA's clean air study, mm-hmm. which is pretty dated at this point. So we are doing some studies uh, on really enclosed environments. Maybe it's a conference room and we mm-hmm. have seen uh, air quality does improve, but at the end of the day, nothing's replaced sound HVAC uh, system engineering uh, as part of that. So we, again, we we we're excited about the potential, but uh, we are really big believers in science, and it just it's it's controversial. Mm-hmm. But I I do kind of want to get ahead of some of those statements that other companies kind of point to, where we really believe in the research and conducting our own research too. Yeah, yeah. Well, I love that. And then the other thing I like that you guys can do a lot design wise, as far as far as like it. Just just doesn't have to be a rectangular square. Yeah, I think when you think of living walls, yeah, there's there's a few things, and it's so hard to even, gosh, you picture it until you see it, right? Mm-hmm. But our product's modular. It's plug and play. So when we think of living walls, you might think of, gosh, it's a custom project. I'm going to need a insulation team. There's going to be labor on site. There's going to be plumbing, mm-hmm. drainage. There's going to be electric for this lighting. Where, again, we designed it as office furniture, where as long as there's an, uh, a wall for us to mount on and an outlet, we can seamlessly integrate there. And to just give listeners somewhat of a, a visual, it's one Model Z it is six feet wide but eight foot tall, mm-hmm. seven inches in depth. So we created something very, very slim. There's no protruding water tank. Again, we wanted to think very mm-hmm. seamless, clean, modern, elegant, even the light bar. Yeah, but what's fascinating is, and the reason why we created those dimensions, Liz, was going back to microenvironments, how it's influencing us. So when we have a footprint of 200 plants within a, a pretty small square footage, that's when we start to see these benefits of creating these dynamic mm-hmm. environments uh, that, that humans are seeing and breathing. But then what we do is we connect them side by side. So now with two units uh, connection, you have a 12-foot space, you have an 18-foot space. So we felt like that was what creates an active space with biophilia. Mm-hmm. Because if not, the office plant does a really good job of, of making the space warmer and more inviting, where we wanted to be pretty dramatic um, mm-hmm. in, in our, our modularity. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely love the product. I feel like you guys really have thought of everything. How long have you guys been around? We've been around, I mean, gosh, think about a lifetime. It's been three years, but when we started the company, it was really a few months before the pandemic, mm-hmm. which in hindsight, it could have been the worst. I mean, it was the worst time, but it's it's what what's happened from it is, as you know, and, and 
what, what your uh, peers and uh, community are doing in co-working spaces. It's really pushed forward all these health and wellness initiatives. Mm-hmm. And certainly well, right, of this being a, now a, just a, an accepted common standard mm-hmm. practice for certification for indoor wellness. So I think it's one of those ways where it's really catapulted the certainly how we think about wellness in the office. But as you know, too, with a hybrid workspace today, people might be spending their you know Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday in a co-working space or office, and their Monday and, and Friday at home. Um, so it's 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 allowed I think the industry to think we need to be more creative. We need to create uh, spaces where people are willing to make the commute. And how are they spending time differently in those spaces where at, at home? So I think that's one of the big exciting things for us of kind of seeing that just you know shift. You know, this new renaissance, if you will, of really connecting with nature. And, and kind of one more point, uh, there's a few interesting things that we've certainly seen with the pandemic is when we were all locked in, what were we doing more time? We were going to parks, right? We were uh, seeing people going to national parks. We were spending more time in nature, but also just home plants. That whole industry surged. Uh, oh my gosh, I, I tripled. It, right? I mean, if you went to Trader Joe's, first mm-hmm. of all, can we take a step back and kind of go down memory lane here? Yeah. As horrifying as it was, waiting to go into a grocery store, right? Like I know. Remember waiting to like, you know. How did you do that in the Texas heat? That's fun. Oh yeah, or or Chicago winter. Yeah. Equally as bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you know, you'd you'd have just enough room to grab that little uh-huh. plant, right? Like yeah. I started hoarding plants definitely at that time. Um, oh yeah, no, like it's a problem now. I'm like, um, you have to house sit my animals and also these twenty plants. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. They, and they become part of the, the, the family. Uh, they do. Okay. But have you ever think, seen that video where they take two plants side by side with school children and they have them like yell at one plant and then they have them talk nice to another plant and the plant that people yell at, it like dies and I, I, the other one thrives. I have seen that. It's really interesting. I mean, when you think of plants as just... A species, and I think humans too. I mean, kind of going back to, I know I'm mentioning microenvironments, but maybe this is controversial, but we're modern cave people, right? Like we, we are modern cave people, human species. We've been around for 40, 60 years. We've evolved in nature. We've evolved in what we feel uh, are safe environments. That's when you see those, you know, uh, maybe sweeping views of hills because you have a view of safety. You can kind of see what's coming at you and then vice versa. But yeah, so I mean, God, it's built in our DNA, innate plants animals, humans, we're all interconnected. I just, we have a lot of distractions of, you know, just uh, of being a modern human and tech and, and so many different things and going through the hustle. But whenever we do get to escape and reconnect, which is probably too few in between, especially us Americans, right, of not getting that, that lovely holiday. So it, 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 it's fascinating. It's fascinating just the, the energy we share of uh, being nice or happy to plants. And I just, but there's also something really fat, interesting of just for, for just so connected to, to our, to our environment that we, mm-hmm. we, yeah. Hey, 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 are you ready to meet in person for some more juicy content? Then join us in London, September 28th will be our main stage day at Convene and Bishopgate. And then on the 29th, we are popping around the city and you can choose your adventure. So you'll definitely want to join us and you can find us at uk.gcuc.co. We'll see you there. 
Well, and I've been I've been saying for a long time, if you want to future proof your office, because there's so much demand coming with other co-working brands, with real estate coming on as flex office, that like the way to do it is through health and wellness. And a great way to do that is incorporating a lot of plants into your space. It's just they're better for you. People are attracted to them. They do make an incredible focal point. I remember walking into Collective Works in Singapore, and they were the first one I saw that when you walked into their reception desk behind it was a green wall that they'd put neon or a sign in front of and lit. And it was amazing. It was so beautiful. Like just plants are so rich and beautiful and lush and really make an environment better. It's interesting. There's, uh, when you talked about wellness, I believe it was a university of And what they did is they found that foliage, plants in the office, Mm -hmm. boosted staff well-being by up to 47%. Mm -hmm. And it goes goes back to all those results of, you know, flow of oxygen in the body, lower blood pressure, probably most importantly, and the heart rate. Strengthens the immune system, um, Mm -hmm. helps clean lungs, alleviates stress, and it energizes the body. And I think, you know, uh, co-working in companies, uh, so I, I myself... I'm a millennial. Uh, I just Mm -hmm. turned 32. We're not the cold kids anymore. (laughs) And Gen Z is coming up. And, you know, so much even to just corporate ethos and mission is going to be tied to, or is now, to sustainability, but also just their activism with the climate. And so I just think of these future trends. It's going to be who who you're going to be serving, really, kind of coming up here. Or actually, what am I talking about? Gen Z, they're already in the workforce. So when you think of talent retention and retainment and, and attracting talent, it's creating something that can certainly serve as a marketing piece, especially when you're attracting members and how you're differentiating yourselves, but also understanding and hopefully uh, conducting some of this research, which, by the way, we do. Um, so when we enter in, I want to name drop here, but let's say a, a very large co-working space, we're conducting uh, research around productivity, around creativity, around ties to the culture of that mm-hmm. workspace. And we're doing it with partners at Rice University. So we wanted to, mm. to understand, one, it's not just we're drinking our own Kool-Aid, but okay, let's go out there and work with terrific partners to validate and mm-hmm. us not just pointing to research, which is to this point has been doing that, right? It's, it's a, I mean, it is a very much a form of greenwashing when you put plants in or you put uh, faux plants in and you tr- you're trying to create that aesthetic where it's no, 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 no. We got to, it's got to get back to connecting with nature. It's time to get real, uh, so to speak. Um, so we want to be partners and advocates in that way of conducting research with our client. Great. Awesome. And it's free. Yeah. Well, and the, uh, the other thing is it's like, I think, you know, people because there's so many co-working spaces now and people have so many options, they go and they try several and they figure out which one fits them. And they may not even know why, but if there's a green space versus a non-green space, they're probably going to be more attracted to the green space because they're human cave people. <laughs> That's exactly it. I mean, we're, we're cave people. But just think, um, again, let's go back to even to say your apartment or home of just how it brings life to, to that space. Mm-hmm. Um, we're doing it on a much, much higher level, but also really understanding the design aspects of it, the functionality of it. So mm-hmm. we work you know, hand in hip with designers and understanding where it's not just a, it, it, it's a very thought out space. And again, we, mm-hmm. we usually use activation. How are we activating it? Yeah. And then my other question was that I think is a very common question is, can I pick my plants or are there are there just standard plants or are there upgraded plants? And what about succulents? And like, how do we know what plants are best? 
we love to use tropicals. Uh, pothos work really well. But what's pretty fascinating with the technology we've developed is kind of the there's a shorter list of plants that don't work than a list of plants that do. Oh, cool. That would ultimately come down to cost, uh, maintenance, right? Some plants are, are more difficult to maintain, but when we think of the diversity, I mean, you can grow orchids in these systems Ooh. Uh, because of the level of, of moisture and understanding. Can I get an orchid wall? I mean, it could be done. Yeah, at Monsters. Yeah. I mean, it also just, what is your design aesthetic, right? Are you looking for something mm-hmm. that's very clean and modern? Um, are you looking for something that's more tropical and wild? Mm-hmm. We love to get creative, but we've also, I think, standardized a palette that serves an expression enough of plant diversity and certainly pops mm-hmm. of color are very important too. Mm-hmm. Um, but also textures. You know, when we talk about micro environments, it's a lot of different textures of plants that are creating that uh, mm-hmm. in our in our psychology. So we we love to do that. We've we've done that on, on larger projects with Ford land using 12 different plant species and pops of color of, of again green, yellows, ferns, purple. Uh, so it gets what pretty about, it gets pretty fun. Can we grow an herb wall? Yeah, oh you absolutely can. Yeah, I mean when we think of, so I know we're, we're obviously talking through the lens of co-working here in mm-hmm. workspaces, and but when we think of the future for our product, for how we believe it's going to be used, we think it'll mm-hmm. very much play a role in uh, vertical residency, high mm-hmm. rises. So, you know, we're going to, cities will become, and I, we certainly hope and, and are, are looking to do, it can be catalyst of of green cities. So this is what we think is kind of the first phase of green buildings inside, but ultimately mm-hmm. out what we think of, sorry, going down a little bit of a rabbit hole here, but what yeah, we think of, of how this technology can be scaled, we're thinking of energy savings from buildings uh, with green roofs. Uh, now, we're, mm-hmm. now we're actually pointing to air purification, carbon sequestration, offsets, with trees, right? That are great, mm-hmm. great tools for for developers, for city planners to think how they can offset heat island mitigation, water storm retention. And when we think of energy savings, a building, uh, depending one, just the uh, the climate zone, right? Where 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 this space be, time of year. But we're talking about seventy five percent in AC savings. So let's think of like a city like New York, when the building begins to be retrofitted. So for us, we think the sky's the limit, but Going back to herb walls, we think or we're dreaming and hoping and building is the future cities will look drastically different, but this technology will also be used to even for indoor ag tech uh, of feeding those residences Mm -hmm. in in those high rises as a true farm to table experience. So uh, we're really excited about the uh, application, but first and foremost, how do we do it? We got to make living walls one. When you say a living wall, what the hell Mm -hmm. is it? When people are uh, thinking about it or, or saying it more common. And we do that by the time we're spending most most of our lives at work. Yeah, I can totally see somebody wheeling this over to my table, giving me a pair of scissors and being like, now just go harvest your toppings. <laughs> yes, yes. It, yeah, we, we think, gosh, yeah. It, it, when you just even think of the soil deficiencies and mm-hmm. uh, the effects of climate change, you know, indoor mm-hmm. acts can be very, very big in our future. And it's going to be could look very drastically different in the next 20, 50 years of, of how we experience 
that. Yeah, I think, I mean, you know, I, I go into the University of Houston for foresight and so constantly looking at the future and it's it's so fun. Like, yes, of course, there's a lot of scary things happening today and climate change is a known entity now, but like there's also a lot of really incredible things happening. Like my brother was telling me about powdered nitrogen to fuel vehicles hmm. last night. Like I'm like, what? Like that stuff is so fun. So I think like if you're getting down about the world today, a really fun thing to do is go look at some of the innovation happening. Like it's incredible. It, it is. And I think climate tech specifically is really fascinating. One, the capital, the venture is all coming through that space, investing in, you know, making some pretty big bets mm-hmm. in the space for renewable energy, transportation, energy, ag. I know we mentioned as well, building, right? The real estate industry is also investing in prop tech, which is also really in its infancy. And, you know, I, I, it's hard because when we think of climate change, one, we can all make, you know, it, we all share in it. So we can make personal choices to, to offset our own, own carbon mm-hmm. footprints. But we're going to have to invent ourselves out of this crisis. And I think we're going to make a better tomorrow by doing that. And, yeah. it, right, we know the Industrial Revolution. This is just a, a whole other catalyst, a whole other period of time of where the future, it's going to be really challenging, but collectively, us humans on this little blue dot, we got to pull together. Well, yeah, it's, this is something it's, we all share in. It's interesting. I used to, have, I had a talk I did years ago on the fourth industrial revolution, and it is spurred by a change in the way, are you ready for this? We work. Mm -hmm. That is the catalyst to the next industrial revolution. And I like to call it the human revolution because that's what's happening right now is like we have this choice and we're making all these different choices around how and where we work and people get to choose now. And, you know, if your boss says, hey, go work in this dingy cubicle in the corner, the new generation says no. Right. Well, you know, when we talk about plants, and I know we're talking about the use of, of just our environments, but another catalyst for the Industrial Revolution was driven by plants. Yeah. Do you want to guess what it was? Mm, I mean, was it farming? Industrialized farming? Coffee. Ah. Coffee. Beans. Well, coffee so, does make me work. <laughs> well, it, so, yeah, when we think of coffee beans and coffee breaks, all spurred from that. Uh, at first, companies were, employees were becoming more productive from caffeine. And gosh, I, I can't remember exactly what year it was, but there was a court case of basically a company that wasn't paying its employee because it was taking co- an hour coffee break. And basically the way coffee breaks became, you know, part of our culture and uh, now are just, you know, routine is because employees were shown to be more productive, company was shown to be more productive. That's where we got our paid lunch breaks for coffee. <laughs> I had no idea. That's awesome. Okay, so now I'm going to switch to you personally again. I started out that way, and I'm going to go back that way because we're almost out of time. So real quick. So, Zach, what's your superpower? Oh, what's my superpower? I'm not ready for this. My superpower. I think my superpower is believing in the future. It's it's going to be better. I actually think your superpower isn't being a futurist. I think your future, I think your superpower is that you believe the future is positive. Just my two cents. What are you most excited about for the future? It's going to be green. Our future has to, right? When we think of the future, there's really two different realities we're living. 
Uh, one might be a very desolate city space when we think of urban areas. Uh, we know, uh, just using New York, that 20 feet of it by 2,100 would be underwater, right? Coastal areas are at the greatest risk here. So again, I think it's we're on this race together, but I do believe our future is going to be green, not in just our practices uh, and sustainability, but we're going to live in this space where our parks are part of our cities. Biodiversity is part of what you would think of a, a landscape being today. Uh, I do believe that's that's the future we're going to live in, and uh, we're excited to build it. I love it. That is the perfect note to end on is a positive dream for the future and a green future. I love it. Thanks so much for your time today, Zach. Thank you for having me, Liz. My pleasure. Take care, y'all, and we'll see you on the next Juicy Podcast. Juicy Podcast.